quick little note in the episode, I forgot to mention one person who was on an episode. He wasn't on in the usual way. He has recorded something that I added on before the episode started. But uh, Ben down on Mac e-menu was on the Seduction of Amy episode in the opening. I just wanted to include that now. Hit the start recording button. Hello, welcome to the final episode of Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. And to close out this, it, this felt like the longest one, but I know it wasn't. Uh, to close it out, uh, J-Dog is here too. Hello. I also felt like it was long. I think it was because of the depth of the movies we did, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Uh, because yeah, Spike Lee one felt like it flew by. Uh, Curse! Oh, was so much, so interesting. Like every movie we watched, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and the Curse Law made some like fun, like movie movies where it's like it didn't feel, uh, not like homework, but you know what, I mean, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, so, uh, oh, Mary might come home because she's uh, had her work this morning. Just give me a warning. All right. But, um, so yeah. no cousin. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, like like always, uh, I will start this by going through the list of guests that we had and uh, on the season and Rating right. Them. <laughs> Yes, rating them on intelligence, attractiveness, uh, I don't know, what wealth. I guess Jared Gilman, number one. Uh, I would say someone else, but sure. I know, I'm joking. No, uh, okay, so, no, no real order. I, I, by order of what I could remember, then there are several times where I realized, uh, oh, I forgot, like, five other people. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, Amanda, Bobby, uh, Bobby Tribbett from, um, Grindman, Martin Kessler, Alistair, uh, Pitts, John Arminio, Mike Wood from Grindman, uh, Antume Gant, uh, Layla Latif, Alexandria Daniels, Megan Dooley, Megan Sunday, Ben Sunday, uh, uh, Bo North, I almost said the wrong name there, uh, Heather Drain, Sam Deegan, LB, and Andrew. I forgot how to say their last name. It's a French name, that's all I remember. Uh, Brad, uh, Brad and Dan from Movies from Hell. Dave Eves, the eternal guest, never the host. Dave Stonerob, Patrick Ripoll, Ripoll, I think it's Ripoll. Aaron Gambrill, Melanie Daniels, no relation to Alexandria, as far as I know. Yeah, but Gina. she is related to us. Yeah. She's alright. Uh, Gina... I said Gina Davis. Gina Radcliffe. <laughs> or or G-Rad CeCe's Pizza, as I used to call her on occasion. Justin Harrison. Uh, Joe and Trace from Horror Queers. Jared Gilman. Marcus Penn. Cole from the now-dead uh, Magic Lantern podcast. Uh, 
Sarah Roberts, who also did the artwork for the cover, the image, poster, whatever. Chris and John from uh, Pink Smoke, Jessica Scott, Stephanie Crawford, and Scott Thorough. I think, pretty sure it's everyone. Oh, I certainly can't think of anyone extra, you know. Yeah, there was... I apologize if there was somebody we don't mention. Because you're all a vital part of what made this podcast entertaining and insightful for the two of us. As we usually say, when we have a guest on, that's when we really learn stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because we're amateurs. Yeah. And... Uh... I can't believe I never brought this up on uh, an indiscriminate or arbitrary arbitrary indiscriminate yeah. there we go but like uh, a thing that I bring up with Mary is a Muppet voice and some people just kind of have naturally goofy voices yes and uh, so like John C. Riley has Muppet voice is like what I'm talking about John C. Riley has Muppet voice. Yeah, I mean he certainly can do the Muppet voice. You know, like when he's when he's playing his comedy characters, he does an exaggerated version of his voice. Yeah. So uh, I recently was listening to Pink Smoke and realized, oh, Thunderbird kind of has Muppet voice a little bit. Mm. I I could do a Muppet voice from now on. No, it's fine. It's I, I like a. I'm a shitty Muffet. <laughs> You're Walter. <laughs> Walter, the shittiest Muppet. He's he's shit even shittier than Skeeter from the Muppet Babies cartoon, which wasn't actually a real Muppet, I don't think ever. Was Skeeter supposed to be Scooter? Skeeter and Scooter were twins. Oh. Scooter was the smart one, and Skeeter was the jock. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, well, so Scooter's... Uh, yeah. I feel like Scooter sucks, but... What the fuck, Spencer? <laughs> okay. Hey, I think Mary's on. Okay, are you pro or anti-Scooter? Uh, I'm fine with Scooter. Like you said, Walter's the worst one. Scooter's just kind of like the... Uh, what's that called? The straight man? Basically, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't mind Scooter. Okay. <laughs> now we all know Pepe is the best one. Pepe in New Zealand. Uh, I Rizzo. Okay, everyone says Rizzo. I love Rizzo. Oh yeah, Rizzo is great, but New Zealand has a boomerang fish. Okay, we gotta get back to the thing at hand because we have so many categories. Sam the Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so uh, yeah, I gave you a list of the things. So yes, since this is French New Wave, um, the common theme is shitty, mediocre men, and uh, of the movie. Yeah, so like um. I had most most mediocre man. So, like, which movie character had like the most stereotypical, most like, uh, uh, yeah, most shit guy. <laughs> most shit 
Okay, so that's kind of hard to pick. There's a lot of mediocre assholes. Like if we were we were talking about uh, la la bonne bonne, what is it? Hap oh, happiness. Oh, happiness. Yes, the Agnes Varda. Yes. Agnes Varda. Um, that's that guy. Is insurmountably mediocre and shitty, but that's not my pick. What do you have? You got a Muppet? Oh, no, sorry. No, can you repeat that? Mary had the. Never mind. Sweden wants to go! No, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, Yes, I, I, guy from Hap, uh, Francois, I think is his name for happiness, mm -hmm. is pretty up there. Uh, I mean, my go is either Jean Louis and uh, the philosophy and math one. Philosophy and math one. Uh, it's like one of our most popular episodes. Uh, Eric Romain. There oh. we go. Oh. What? Eric Romare. Uh, my not mods. There we go. Oh yes, yes. That's yes. Thank you. That is a definitely. I think the atypical mediocre man, like just how men function brain-wise and how they can like. I don't know talk about nothing for such a long time and then uh, yeah, and, yeah and I feel like he's more mediocre than the creep and Claire's knee who that move see that that's what? my pick Claire's knee guy yeah a pseudo intellectual I'm not having relations with women and then becoming obsessed with a a child's body like this is this is mediocre man all the way like taking advantage of the fact that the children are vulnerable and you know nothing sexual quote unquote happens but it's inappropriate and he sucks okay that's a good point but, but then you have it's, to, it's hard to choose yeah then you have to look at the soft skin where it's like the guy who's like mm -hmm. I want to have an affair and cheat and then you know he he gets killed at the end yep. and it's and he's very bad at maintaining an affair, which, like, that's, like, the realistic version of, like, that, the, the mediocre I, I man. guy, too, yeah. They, they, they come from the same category, almost. Um, another one that I think fits, like, if you watch this movie and you don't think that guy's a fucking loser, mm -hmm. the, the original Breathless. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> It's it's like the uh, original. Um, it's like yeah, what drive before not drive. What's what I'm thinking of? Uh, what's it's the movie like Drive? It what's like the one of ones uh, that people? If you think if you think he's cool, then you're watching the wrong wrong way. It's like Drive. Um, what is it? There's a lot of movies like that. I know. I'm gonna say Fight Club, but Fight Club's not. That's what I was gonna say too. Yeah. That's old school now. Hmm. Yeah. It's one of those movies where, like, Breathless does have the vibe of, like, he's cool, and if you pay attention, it's like, no, he's destructive and uh, aimless, and, like, it, he, 
it, like if he's a, a bad it's like a, like a, has a bad aura about him and you'll get and you just get caught up in a, a bad aura yeah it's uh scarface comes to mind also people being like yeah I ought to be like that guy yeah like, uh i mean uh i i said the original breathless our our hero richard gear he's mm-hmm. he's a loser in the remake breathless 2 but i don't know i think remake breathless he's more of a loser cuz it's amped up a lot more and it's more it's just more in your face with how uh, how much like how pathetic he is, and uh, you know, like it—it's super fun, but it's also uh, like I just recently we rewatched it. It's still on Tubi, and it's like it's so much fun. But at the same time, you're like, man, fuck this guy. She should just yeah. leave. <laughs> I mean, he's irritating to the max of the like whatever, uh, and. In the remake of Breathless, he's the main character, but I feel like in Breathless 1960, it's Gene Seberg's character who's the main character. Like, if if there is a main character. Oh, no, I'd say Paris was the main character. Paris. Paris, oh, the city? Yeah, no. City uh, comes alive. Yeah. No, uh, uh, but Jacques Rivette playing the corpse was a, was a real main character the whole time. That's true. That's we, could, we could talk about Meteorical Men. Just, I know. Let's just do this. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, Claire's Knee. Claire's Knee tied with My Night at Mods. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Romare was apparently great with uh, this. Uh, uh, shitty men trying to justify their uh, bad behavior in their own mm-hmm. way, but when you watch it, you realize, oh no, there's they're terrible. Like <laughs> they, uh, yeah. That's... I mean, like, yeah. My night at mods. When I watched it, I liked it, but I wasn't over the moon because I didn't like the main character very much at all and then with Claire's knee I found that guy so despicable that I'm like I don't think I'm going to watch any more Romare movies <laughs> <laughs> yeah people say like the Green Ray and other ones are worth it and I'm still on the fence like I don't know I, I've seen the two the two classic <laughs> ones I've been told to watch and uh, they're you know they are if they are it's just too much talky philosophy stuff yeah, too much men pretending to be smart. Yeah, I guess like tie a third tie for uh, a third tie would be happiness because Varda completely you know gets nails like the nails that type of uh, shitty male behavior perfectly. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine somebody watching that movie and feeling like they're seeing a reflection of their own life because this uh, like this the movie happiness is such a like bold un unrepentive look at how men 
and not all men, you know, hashtag not all men, but <laughs> tend to feel about like the world. Like I'm happy. Oh, this also makes me happy. So let's keep doing it. Like it doesn't matter if I'm hurting other people or other things like that. Right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah I think it's fair to say we, we've all known people like that. Some of us <laughs> see those people on a more regular basis than others. Yep. Not, and won't go into detail on that, but there, there's a couple people I know that I have to see on a regular basis who are who are just that character. Yeah, we're talking about you, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, top. Okay. So, um, this was a a wordy wordy way to put this, but of the movies we watched, what are the what would you, what would you most rewatch? What are you most likely to rewatch just for fun, slash not for a podcast? Just for fun. I mean, uh, I don't know the movies. I, I the movies that I liked, uh, I I definitely would feel like rewatching. Not necessarily not necessarily fun, but like if I had to pick the fun one that I want to rewatch, it's Young Girls of Rochefort, right? Yeah, of course, because it's color spectacle dancing and singing and the the two actresses just shine so brightly yeah uh i mean for me uh a fist for a fist no not fistful dollars what's it called for a few dollars more because mm-hmm. it's just so incredibly watchable and fun and funny yeah it, I, I I got a couple on the list that I've already seen a couple of times. I know so so do you, but like Black Girl, I've seen a couple of times. It's short and it it's like meaningful. It's not a fun movie, but it's it's so good that I've watched it a couple of times. And Purple Noon, Purple Noon feels like just like I went to the movie and saw a pretty entertaining kind of like suspense movie right yeah it's just like it's a roller coaster ride of a thriller speaking of mo- mediocre men have you met this guy <laughs> <laughs> ripley well is he just uh well, okay yeah yeah mediocre man but also i'm thinking in terms of the ripley character like isn't he like lower class and he just wants to move up and it isn't like necessarily motivated by the other things that like like the like the Romare stuff is motivated by I mean it's weird because you don't really get what he I guess he's he wants the easy life right and that's why he's kind of yeah. like clomped onto the rich guy but he's not driven by like sex yeah he's not driven by even things like possessions I feel like because when in the end when he's basically become another person it just seems like he's relieved and ready to chill out yeah I think is it uh, Dickie Greenleaf the, his friend Dickie so they, they, they kept all the American names but with like but it's like Alain, Alain Delon saying it with a French accent it's like this is a goofy <laughs> so I think um, Greenleaf right Philippe Greenleaf was Philippe Maurice Patrick. They have a friend, Dickie, that he ends up... You know, well, oh, okay. anyways, I, I don't want to spoil it. Watch the movie. It's really good. 
In the remake, Dickie is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Is that a remake or just adaptation of the same book? I mean, it's an adaptation of the same book, uh, but I'll, I'll call it a remake. Why not? Who's going to stop me? Hmm? Gwyneth Paltrow? I don't think so. Yeah, wait. Isn't Phil Seymour Hoffman? Uh, he's not Philippe, right? He's Dickie? No, it's, um, yeah. The guy who plays Philippe is, um... Wait, that I Jude Law? His... Yeah, it's Jude Law. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name all of a sudden. Yeah, there's some great performances in that, but it's also disturbing in a way that Purple Noon is not, which is weird. Yeah. From my understanding, it's not trying to be super fun the way Purple Noon is, like, super fun. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Oh, um, I'm going off of the fun French stuff of the era, That Man from Rio. Oh this yes, this top tier, uh, top tier fun, great action. It's so mm-hmm. it's great seeing uh, Jean Paul Belmondo do his own stunts. It's funny, <laughs> like this movie made me laugh, and that's kind of hard to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if next time somebody's like, I feel like watching kind of like an action thing, but I don't know how to watch, I'm gonna be like, that man from Rio, that man from Rio, let's watch it. Or for a few dollars more, like you said, that's also a good one. Yeah. Although I've met, come across plenty, plenty of people who hate westerns and they think it's like it's just boring uh, dad cinema, which it is like dad movie stuff, but it's mm-hmm. also, but the Leone ones are, are uh, I think a bit more universal compared to like the John Ford westerns. Yeah. Their popcorn. Well, I don't even know. You, know, I think I've seen like two John Ford westerns, maybe. No. Oh. I've seen probably like three or four, maybe five, and I really like them. I think the politics are uh, wrong. I, I don't. I don't agree with that stuff, but they're still really good movies. Yeah. Movies I would also rewatch. I think basically anything uh, Pasolini did. <laughs> oh, really? It's so fast. Like even the ones I didn't like that much. Like the I was I was the one who was like the Gospel of Saint Matthew is dry and not interesting. But I'm, I I still think about like the cinematography. I think about the the way the actors were framed and like uh, uh, what is it called theorem also. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I didn't even get that one a fair shake because I I didn't know what I was going into and it, it was kind of like what the hell afterwards. But yeah, it definitely deserves a rewatch or three. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I didn't want to get into Pasolini because like it's it's obvious like if you listen, like Pasolini <laughs> is like my is like the big discovery for for me this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I fucking love Pasolini so much. And like, I have rewatched Te- uh, Teorama, Theorem a few times. It's just so. It's just such like it's like a background movie, but it's also like I've seen it so many times. It's just pleasant to have have on. Yeah. Where like, and also even nights to a lesser degree, because even the born stretches are like I can, I can just phase out and pay attention when it gets to the the stories I like. 
Who is that mysterious Malcolm McDowell? Malcolm McDowell? Oh, okay, that's it. Yeah. Terrence Stamp? Oh, Jesus Christ. I <laughs> always get those two mixed up. It's like they're old white men <laughs> with accents. I think Terrence is a bit taller and more lean man compared to he, Malcolm. Terrence has been less stuff than Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell was in like a home video I made, I swear to God. <laughs> he won't say no to a role. He was like, you want me to talk about five potatoes that sing songs? Yes, I'll do that. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up the movie of... Uh, Small potatoes. <laughs> the X Files episode. No. By Darren. Darren Morgan, the guy, he wrote uh, the um, Jose Chung, and a couple other like super famous ones. You want to do an X Files podcast? No. Damn it! I- I'd stop at season six. It's not worth it after that point. I wouldn't know. I've I've gotten as far as like season three, whatever the season was that started off with the the second part of um of what are the names? What's David David Duchovny? The Indian stuff. Yes, the Native yeah. American resurrection. <laughs> I turned, I couldn't see it anymore. It's. Yeah, it's it's not great. It was something. <laughs> I, yeah, the mythology gets really bad pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, everyone said like, oh, it gets bad towards the end. And then I got two episodes into season eight, and I was like, I can't watch this. Oh, I can't watch this anymore. Season eight is like season seven is really bad. And I didn't think it, it could get worse, and it did get worse. Awesome. A lot worse. Yeah, that's too bad. It's not like a legacy that people treasure or anything like that. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so uh, what else was there? Boulder. Jeez. Judo. <laughs> oh, there. Um. Uh, there's a film writer, person, Danny Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. she writes for slash film, I think. She interviewed David Duchovny and, uh, once years ago, and he said uh, he was either pissed off that day or he was a jackass, but he said, like, Ugh, I hate nerds, and he was at, like, a, a Comic-Con-type event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's understandable. I, re- I read somebody's account, and I cannot remember who said this, and I apologize for that. That said, he was at backstage at a Comic Con thing. I don't know if he was working it or or what, but he he went behind the scenes and there was um, Lando. What's the name of that actor? Martin Landau. Lando Calrissian. Oh, um, uh, Billy D. Williams. Yeah. So Billy D. Williams is back there, smoking. And uh, they said, you know, they said hi to each other or whatever. And uh, Billy was like, these fanboys, man. (laughs) He remembered distinctly that he was, he was tired. (laughs) Deal with them. Yeah. I mean, that's understandable. Like, people get obsessed with this stuff. 
Yeah, that's true. Could have been a bad. Yep, bad day. I said uh, Judex, Judo, however you pronounce it. Nineteen sixty-three. Oh yeah, it's uh, Adam West Batman, basically. It's a must-watch if you haven't seen J U D E X, nineteen sixty-three, directed by George Franchet. F R A N G J U. Sorry, F R A N J U. You need to watch it. Yes, confirm. It's. Uh, it, it's not stuffy or philosophy stuff. It's just uh, silly, goofy fun. Yeah, it's a fucking good time. <laughs> Tell Mary I'm sorry I cursed. It, it's fine. She's in the other room now. Okay. Okay. So uh, I don't know, like this. I think this compared to say like the spike. I feel like the spike season is one I stuff I'd watch the least because we covered so many. Best Picture winners, and some of my Best Picture winners are, uh, uh, fine. Yep. And just kind of, and honestly, just fine, and, and that's, that's about it. Yeah. Because, uh, like, some of those episodes, there's a struggle to be, like, like Braveheart was one I was like, I don't know what to say, besides this movie's kind of just fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean... That movie is memorable because of its violence. The yeah. rest of it is like whatever. And then this... I can't even remember the best pictures we covered. Like a... It's Oh, uh, Chicago was that's the one I probably like the most. And do you know what side I'm on on that? Yeah. I was trying to remember what Richard Gere movie we watched for Spike Lee and it just reminded me. <laughs> yeah, Chicago. All right. Uh, okay. So, were there any disappointments of things either were hyped up for you to some degree before you watched it, or things that just either you rewatched after a long time and realized you didn't like it as much? I had one huge disappointment, and people are going to be like, "What the hell is wrong with you? You're crazy." And that was Daughters of Darkness. People love this movie. People love Daughters of Darkness. They have a podcast called Daughters of Darkness. They have T-shirts. They have everything. Like this, like there's a cult. There's a literal cult. I'm pretty sure out there. You can get this movie in 4K. That's how popular it is. Because you know what else can you get in 4K? Forrest Gump. Boom. (laughs) Yeah. But for me, it's just like I did. You know. I don't know. It felt empty. It was it was beautiful shots. The characters just felt like hollow pieces to me and I don't know. I was expecting something really good because everybody that I you know hang out with uh, Twitter wise <laughs> seems to love Daughters of Darkness. Not like you really liked it, right? Um I'm like if I ranked it I'd say like a 7 out of 10. I don't have. I have a lot to say about it, but also I'm not in love with it. That's good. Yeah, it's. I mean, kinda, I still, uh, Yeah, it's kind of like the devils, where it's like the one. This thing is hyped up, where it's like, yeah, it's good, but like I'm not obsessed with it. Yeah, 
<laughs> like, where's the part that got it banned? I guess there's a lot of boobs. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite Ken Russell was uh, Listomania. Mm-hmm. By far. I haven't seen but, it yet. Uh, there's only You can only see kind of shitty versions of it because the studio that owns it doesn't want to do a uh, a remaster of it. Lame. But yeah. But it it definitely needs to be remastered. I think every movie, even the worst, you know, freaking Ted two, you know, forty years from now, to give it a remaster. I don't it's a it's a movie and we have the ability to this is like when you think about it, movies are basically one of the only art forms that can be widely viewed uh especially nowadays with all the streaming things like there's so many paintings and other things like that that you just can't see because they're either in somebody's collection that never never seen by anybody except for them or it's part of a museum like cycle so you have to hit it at the right time if you're going to see this particular painting or whatever you're describing what Simbin described what cinema was that's cinema was his activism because cinema is something everyone can uh indulge in without you know needing to travel or like you know have money have a lot of money for it definitely and that's why we need to stop Dinesh D'Souza oh yeah I forgot he existed until recently. Uh, I wish I could forget. Yeah. All right. So, for biggest disappointment, maybe I'm trying to think. Is there something I didn't really like? I miss maybe Romare, because Romare was a thing that was kind of hyped up I a little should. bit for a stretch, and I finally watched Romare. It's like, oh, like it's. It's more interesting to talk about than it is to sit down and watch. Yeah. It all, it, Claire's knee especially felt like homework in a weird way. Like, once again, beautiful sceneries and whatever conversations, but I just like... I'm tired of hearing this man's thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I just remember a bigger disappointment. One that we definitely agree on. A contempt. Yeah, that's contempt, true. contempt was one that, like, I've only heard people talk about, like, it's the greatest French movie of all time. And it's just like, I don't know, it's... It's sure. fine. It's, it's a movie. <laughs> yep. And I like it. I don't... It's not like I'm gonna go... I might rewatch it in a couple of years, because I enjoyed um, Jack Palance's... <laughs> crap and and Fritz Lang actually talking about movies and stuff like that like there there there's value in the movie but it wasn't mind blowing no like Godard has that quality of like like everyone like all the cool stuff that was innovative it has it's problem of like all the cool stuff that he did as innovative is just like normal now so it, it didn't really hit as hard for me. Yeah. Kind of like... Rest in uh, peace, Goddard. Oh, yeah. Yes, rest, rest in peace. 
uh, kind of like where I read um, Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller one. Oh, yeah. And Rena is like, this must have been huge in the 80s. Like, I, it was huge, but like reading it now, I'm just like, I don't know, it's a Batman story. <laughs> you know? You're insane. I know. No, I, I listen. The the legacy of the Dark Knight, whatever it is, Dark Knight Returns, uh, is been soiled by the sequels and by the man himself. But you you are correct. That definitely would hit that hit hard in the eighties because it was talking about you know, Reaganism and all this stuff like that. He used to be on the other side of things. <laughs> oh. uh, some of his Daredevil stuff definitely leans right wing yeah not not like not super right wing but it you can definitely you could reinterpret it like uh, born again you can definitely interpret from a that perspective for sure <sighs> mr miller i was just talking about him the other day that's really funny let's see remember a few years ago like he looked like a skeleton yeah yeah i, I think I, he's I, he's been consistently working so yeah. He's just old. Yeah, that's true. Making, uh... What's that movie? Never mind. I can't make the joke because I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, which one do you think is your favorite Godard? At the oh, end of the day. Life to Live is uh, my favorite one. Yep. It's the closest to uh, loving a Godard movie I've come mm -hmm. to. Um... Two or three things is just like, it's just like lettuce. It's like a yep. nice head of lettuce where it's like, it looks pretty, but mm -hmm. it's just, for me, I don't taste much. Yeah. No, that's totally understandable, too. You know I love that movie, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah I mean, the, the reason I like it is because it is so different than. Uh, we forgot Randall. I forgot to say Randall. Was it, I, oh, I Randall, it. of course. He's he's currently touring all over the place with his movie, The Monster Within, or is it or without? Um, yeah, it's The Monsters Without. Yes. Which I have a very small role in. Ooh. Yeah, I don't think I've ever talked about this before, but I did a voiceover for the in the movie. There's like a training video. I did the voiceover mm. for that. Oh, neat. I haven't even seen the movie yet, so. Oh, well, I look forward to your cameo whenever that, when, when it finally gets streaming. Yep. Me too. Let's see, besides disappointments, I, I don't think I was disappointed by any um, Truffaut. I'm trying to think, was any Truffaut disappointing? I don't think any of it was. Uh, Varda, I mean, Varda is the best. We all. I mean, know. yeah. If we were gonna pick best directors, I would pick Agnes Varda, hundred percent. Yeah, for me, uh, uh, you weren't on one of the episodes about Tinto Brass. Uh, I, I am a brass man, and I, I, I just love that. I love that man. He's one of my favorite movie. Um, how was I say? What was the term? I came a, a cinema pervert, and like this, like. I, uh, people like him and um, Russ Meyer and uh, uh, Wakamatsu 
like this, this like people who make this kind of like the more don't say extreme because extreme has been co-opted into like edgelord shit but like the more uh i guess extreme is the easier to put like the more I extreme really out there type stuff that's also meaningful and like tinto brass is great at that and like salon kitty you didn't i don't think you got to watch it because it's it's hard to get hold of a bit now yeah. but it's basically well solo but it's easier but like but easier to take and not as like cold and distant in certain ways i've seen tinto brass movies i can't name them off the top of my head because they have exited except for the fact that there is just just a focus on nudity like this woman let's look at her hips and everything else that's there like what he also he also showed a lot of penis too if you want oh yeah, to yeah yeah equal opportunity salon kitty has a scene that uh, is one of my favorite moments in any movie we've covered so far where there's basically like a, a drag show at the brothel where a movie takes place and all the people who work there are uh are gay men and they do the can can and they're not wearing underwear and it's like this really raucous weird party scene that and sounds incredibly a, dangerous for their genitals oh <laughs> uh, i mean you see like the, the, their genitals seem fine after they're dancing but it's I'm this just crazy party scene i'm just worried about like legs smashing things as <laughs> Well, now I wish I'd seen that movie. Yeah, we get the family together and we'll all watch it. Uh, yeah, you're gonna get like 20 minutes of like, uh, penis and naked women in the beginning, so it'll be it'll be a fun time. Nice. Started off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have no other girls disappointments to get to. What? No, not really. So, like, director. Wise Varda number one Tinto, um, uh, Simbin obviously. Uh, don't forget Tati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacques Tati. He's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> I think uh, you've talked about him the most during like the entirety of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Jacques Tati. Yeah, yeah. even though he's not fresh new wave technically. Uh no, not really. Yeah. Uh. Um. Uh, or your top top uh directors like uh Varda, obviously, obviously number Varda. one. Uh, next, I would say that I am a fan of your one of your least favorite directors, mm -hmm. Antonioni. Yes, a lot of people like him, too. Yes. To you, it is like scenery, and that's it. Might as well be a blank screen. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and I understand that too. Like opinions are opinions. I, the only time I don't like somebody expressing an opinion is when they can't explain why they feel like if somebody's just like, "Oh, that movie sucks," that's the end of the conversation. It's like, why does it suck? I don't know. I don't like it. Okay, well. I guess we can't talk about it. Yeah. Oh, I okay. I remember a disappointment. Probably a blow up. Blow up was 
Oh yeah, I, I was nice on episode because I didn't know Aaron loved it as much as she mm-hmm. did, but like it's that was the most excruciating watch I've ever had in a I think Yoker Men in a very <laughs> long time. The guy in Blow Up sucks. He's a uh, bad person. Yeah, <laughs> man, that movie was just like I like I want I want it to be clear like I didn't go into like Antonioni this season being like i'm gonna hate this i went into it like it's been over a decade maybe i like it now yeah and uh i like it even less a decade later yeah and to no one could say we didn't give it its fair shot because we watched like four right uh three which i think was your favorite yes that's the one that's kind of good la blow up yeah. What about La Strada? Oh yeah, that movie is I'd say overall really good. But yes. it's Fellini, so like I have yet to see the Fellini where I'm like, fuck yeah, this rules. It's it's always like <laughs> Yeah, this is uh Solid. It, it yeah, it's not it's not Godard where it's like like influential but fine. Like a uh, Fellini I I like but it's but when I watch it, I'm like, okay, I, I can get where like Russ Meyer would love this, and why when where uh, David Lynch would love this. Wait a minute, the the woman, the main character woman in Lestrada, it was, it was what? It was Fellini's wife. Yes. <laughs> okay. She uh she was a star in a couple of his movies. Yeah. Oh, I just. Uh... There's this review on Letterboxd that is absolutely savage. How the men in this movie keep telling Fellini's wife she looks like various vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, I, I just watched uh, Across 110th Street yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, like, seeing Anthony Quinn in that movie and remembering Lestrada. It's like, mm-hmm. he even speaks Italian in 110th Street. For some reason, like he's probably fluent in Spanish since he's Mexican, right? Yeah, he is Mexican. <laughs> but they they decided to go Italian because uh, yeah, because that's whatever. what his career was. <laughs> yeah, and like he he looks Italian. He yeah. you know he's Mexican, but he looks Italian. So let's just make him play yeah. Italians all the time. <laughs> it's usually Italians playing Mexicans, not the other way around. Yeah. Or uh, my favorite Mexican actor that that uh, one Jewish guy that was in. <laughs> oh yeah, Eli the, the bad and the ugly. Eli Wallach, Wallach. Yes, Wallach. Yes, love yeah. that guy. You love Anthony Quinn, knowing he's uh, was like the like a, a Mexican actor. Um, I mean, the things I've seen him in, I liked him in. Yeah, I guess I have to see him more. I've seen Eli, Eli Wallach in a bunch of stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I know yeah. that's not a a special opinion because most people do. But just yeah, did uh, uh, I guess at some point Anthony Quinn must have played Mexican. Hmm. Oh he yeah, must... no, no, he he has Spanish language movies. I looked it up. Oh, okay. Just... His real name is oh, it doesn't say. Uh. I used to. It's uh, what is his real name? Uh, you, you'll, 
You can I probably pronounce, pronounce it better than I could. Okay, hold on. This is important, guys. Keep listening. Anthony Quinn. Real name is Manuel Antonio Rodolfo Quinn. Uh, actually, I don't remember how to pronounce O-A-X. It's like... Huaca? Maybe? I'm so wrong. Anyways, Manuel Antonio Rodolfo Quinn. O-A-X-A. <laughs> look it up. I mean, he looks... If you look at Wikipedia, take this picture of him, he looks Mexican. Like, I don't know how else to say it. You know, I could see pieces of my father and myself in his face. Maybe this is my true father and not the Japanese guy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very plausible. Yep. He, he had a he had a lot of kids. Ah, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, I think Quentin was in what Spike Lee was it? Jungle Fever. He's the dad. Oh Jungle yeah, Fever. I remember that. Uh, playing You're Italian. Like, <laughs> this guy's an this guy's an important actor. He's been in stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who the fuck he is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, oh, he's also in Ghost Can't Do It. Oh yeah, that that's his other big. <laughs> John Derrick. <laughs> as Dan as uh, <laughs> our former president in it. Also. Yeah. Anyway, um. <laughs> so uh. Uh, what? Who are your who are your favorite actors that we discussed? That's really hard to pick. Like I like John John Paul Belmondo, obviously amazing. Um, Elaine Delon. He was he was in our first season in that Red Sun or whatever it was called. Oh right? yeah, he was. He's the bad guy in that. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies that we watched, and I I bought a copy right after we'd seen it is General De La Rovere mm-hmm. it stars the director Victor Vittorio De Sica and in that movie and I think that's that's the only movie we saw him as an actor and I think uh, yes but he had, he, a, just, a, had a, he had a big career as an actor yeah he plays it so straight and like his performance was just mind blowing like we haven't got to biggest surprises or whatever yeah, but that's yeah. And I want to mention women. Obviously, I gotta. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Catherine um, Deneuve. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Uh, her sister. I always say the last name wrong. Uh, let me look. It is Fran- Francois Dorlich. Dorlich. She's also in the that man from Rio. Yeah. <clears throat> and she's and she, wonderful and it was tragic. <laughs> yeah, she was a bigger star than um uh, uh Catherine. Yeah, Catherine came a star I think after uh uh Francois became uh, became a star. Cuz uh, Francois did what was the, the first uh, was that one Plansky movie, the Donald Pleasance one? Plansky, uh, Donald Pleasance. I can't remember. Oh, uh, Call the Sack. Well, oh yeah, yeah. 
and she was uh, she was a bigger name earlier on, but you know, that was sadly cut short. Oh, and and soft skin too. I forgot she's she's. Oh yeah, head. yeah, she's great. Like we watched great movies that she starred in. I seriously, I didn't even think about. Ah, I don't want to get sad. <laughs> yeah, those two. Uh, the lead and from a Cleo from five to seven. Yes. She's at the top of my movie list. Where is that? Uh, Corinne <laughs> uh, oh. Marshad. Yes. Yeah. I can't find it because it's not on my list. We haven't released that episode yet at the time not we're yet. recording this. Yeah. I have my note. She looks like someone. Oh, Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, really? I got that vibe from watching them. Um, like, you could do Cleo for five to seven with, like, Anya Taylor Joy. Like, or a version of this type of story with her. Yeah. Well, yeah, I could totally see that. And she's a good actress. Yeah. Mary, <clears throat> Mary hates looking at her face. What? Mary's, uh, she thinks uh, Anya Taylor Joy looks like an alien. And she doesn't like it. She has a very appealing face to me because she's like, I don't remember, she's whatever her racial mix is. And that, yeah, God, it sounds, I, I, feel, I feel like a racist, but like she's got this mixed, <laughs> mixed, uh, yeah. And it gives her facial features a, a an unusual look to Americans because we're like basically all the same white people. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. But af after Mary pointed out the uh, alien thing, I can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, her face is not her face is unusual, and to to me, it's incredibly attractive. But I could understand because there's definitely faces I've seen on people that are supposed to be attractive, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I feel I don't want to talk about the attractiveness of people. So I'm just going to shut up. Okay. <sighs> um, are you done with, like, who else was there? Um, Argentinian. Happiness. And What's, British. Uh, the, the lead from from Happiness. Hmm. Like, part of what makes uh, the Vardas I've seen work is that, like, it's, it's not, like, the big, the big uh, stars of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what's... <sighs> I can't remember what the actor's name. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not looking at that one. Hold on. There it is. It is... Are you talking about the wife or the... Yes, the wife. Well, it's both Claire, Claire de Rowe. Okay. It's yeah. Teresa Chavalier. And then the other woman. That's a man. Who's this person? Get out of here. <laughs> Actually, I don't know what her name is. Maybe I should, like, look yeah. at something that actually tells me. Yeah, that's like. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes Varda work, uh, work, work so well is that just 
it wasn't always like she's gonna get the biggest stars like she's gonna get like uh either like use like people who aren't actors or use someone who's like usually a uh, a minor who plays like a, a minor a minor support role and they're gonna get to be a star uh, is this her marie france boyer i think so And, and um the other one I'm thinking uh and the star black girl uh Umbasin T Diop cuz the mm. movie the movie is just her like she the movie would be nothing without her performance and she carries even after her character dies she carries everything in that movie yep Uh, it's gonna be, yeah. I mean, I want to keep talking about all these people. Mar- Marie Lafore in Purple Noon. Yeah. I I think she has a slightly unusual face too, but I'm not talking about physical attributes. <laughs> She's really good in that movie. In Zala, the Simbin movie, the. Oh, I did get to see that one. Uh, the the co lead from Tukibuki is Inzala, playing kind of a similar role. I just can't remember. Miriam Young. Uh, I have to find Tukibuki, then I can. Oh, yeah, that's who it is. It's okay. Mariam Neong. Okay, yes, her. Yeah. And uh Yeah, so yeah, uh yes. Um I mean also uh Jean Louis Trintignant, who is one of my mm-hmm. favorite actors, period. Uh yeah, he's great. He's yeah, he he's great in everything. I'm trying to think who else is Oh, uh, Jean Claude Brillet. He's in, uh, he's in tr- some Truffaut stuff. He's in the uh, Broadway Black, I think. He's the guy from Claire's Knee. He was just like a dude who was friends with Godard and Truffaut, and he would just kind of show up in all their stuff. That's cool. He's in. Oh, he's in. He's in Cleo in the segment, the silent movie segment with Godard. Oh yes, yeah. Godard pre- does a pretty good. Uh... Buster Keaton, if that's what it was kind of going for. You know, I don't appreciate the blackface in that <laughs> short. Yeah, it's it's Europe. Yeah. <laughs> it's not surprising. <laughs> and it's supposed to be like an old movie, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I was watching um uh uh before record started recording, I was watching um uh, Yakuza Wolf. It's in the Sonny Chiba box set that just came out. And the first movie, uh, the first movie that says Yakuza Wolf, and there, is, there are a couple of graphic rape scenes. And watching it, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot these movies always have like really graphic rape in it. <laughs> it's just like one of those things, like, yeah, it it's not great, but like, you, it's there. Like, you can't really change it. It's just what, what they did. You know. Yeah, I, you know, you you mentioned gra- graphic rape. I always think of that movie, 
um, with I think it's the guy who stars in the Zatoichi movies, but it's a different oh yeah s- series something yeah uh, something the Razor yes Han- Hanzo the Razor something like that yeah like it's just uh, one of those things where it's like yeah uh, it's been a while since I watched these and I just remembered I know I should know to expect this every time. Anzo the Razor, Sword of Justice, directed by Kenji Misumi. It's about a man who <laughs> who uh, is, uh, I don't know, is like a police or something like that. Yeah, police inspector. And the way he gets women to confess is by raping them. But he also... <sighs> It's very dick-centric, because there's a part where he is, like, purposely making the skin of his skin, skin of his dip tougher by, like, pushing it into rice or something for a long time. Or there's a part where there's, like, an anvil, and he's literally hammering it. You know, you, know, you don't see it, but... <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's that era of, like, the Japanese B-movie. You get this... It's a, it's definitely an acquired taste. That uh, it's, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's hard to justify, uh, impossible to justify, the grosser stuff in those movies. But it's just yeah. the thing of like, if you, there's enough stuff where it's like, uh, I like what these movies are, but also, there's certain ones I would never show to anyone unless I know <laughs> what their taste is. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, let's watch this. Yeah, whatever. Like, uh, I don't think you're ready for pinky violence. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe a, a, a light Yakuza movie from the 60s would be easier <laughs> to take than, uh, yeah. Um, let's see, uh, other actors, um, I said, uh, Jean Louis, Jean, uh, Jean Louis, then I said Jean Claude Brillet. And we went to talk about Jean Paul Belmondo. Yep. Uh, is there any other Jeans? No. For John John Paul Belmondo, like if I if we'd only watch Breathless, I would I would think he was not good as an actor. But like, uh, in Leon or whatever it was called, the Leon priest the one. Professional. Yes. Um. Yeah, Emmanuel Riva, she was great in that, and she's in um, oh, yes. Amour, and she, I think she was nominated for Amour. She but, is uh, amazing in Leon Morin, priest, comma priest. Yeah, and I would and never. She's expect- also in Capo. Wow. Oh, I would never have expected, um, like, oh Melville. I didn't even say Melville, the favorite director. <laughs> uh, I would never expect Melville to make like a like 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 a talky borderline philosophical movie. Uh, that's like not that's like not just like super macho, uh, like crime thing, and it totally works. Like it's yeah. so it's just so good. It's it's better than I think you would think it is based on the description. It's it's kind of unlike any movie 
that we watched. Uh, Leon Morin. Priest, that is. Alright. Uh, do you have uh, um, favorite moments that you can remember that like that, that, that have stuck with you? Well, let's see. Uh, another actor we didn't even... I mean, we kind of touched on, but Jock Tetti acting in his own movies. It's like, he's just a physical comedy master, and, like, that that is acting, right? You, yeah. So, I was thinking of Jour de Fête, and the scene where he, everyone is... He keeps having to hold up the post for mm-hmm. the tent that they're going to set up, and just just stacking up all these things he's trying to do at one time while balancing and, and like that like short of is such a fun little movie there's a ton of memorable stuff in it yeah like the man from or that man from rio mm-hmm. where john bill john paul Belmondo is holding on to the side of a plane like like fuck you tom cruise watch this <laughs> It's going. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did all his stunts in there because, like, they didn't cut away from things that he was doing. No. The one that right. always gets me when I look up clips and stuff is the the wire thing on the construction site. Mm. Like that, I, 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 like I've seen it multiple times. I, I've never noticed any wire, safety wire, or anything. Like, what was the precaution in case he slipped? Yeah. Yep. I have no idea. It's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, part of me wishes, like, uh, Hollywood would do more dangerous stuff, but at the same time, it's like, well, we have safety standards for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. It's not Hong Kong in the 80s, whereas, like, I don't know Hong Kong 80s, uh... I forgot where I heard this, but like the thing of like if if you're in action movies in I think it was the uh, in Thailand, and uh, like stuntmen, the the philosophy is stuntmen are cheaper than um, CGI or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so like the, so it's like if you're a stuntman and like in that part of the world doing movies, like you, you like you like you are just seen as like an object, and like if you get injured, it's just part of a job. And oh, Hon- boy. Yeah, in Hong Kong clearly had that same mentality if you watch like police story and stuff like that. And it's like, oh yeah. yeah, this this was literally just like if you get injured, fuck you, you you miss work. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh yeah, watching police story and what Jackie Jin had to do, and then there's also like the bloopers afterward. It's just it just the man must have scars all over his body. I, I don't know. <laughs> there's some yeah. things that you just cannot do and not get hurt yeah, jumping through glass or sliding down a pole that has all these like glass things on it and yeah, yeah. Donnie Yen I think it was Donnie Yen said recently like he's in constant pain no because of Star Wars <laughs> yes okay and, uh, yeah yeah, I, yeah this is I'm thinking like well Jackie Chan has to be in constant pain too for sure after yeah. after decades and decades of that, and I imagine like all those guys who are still alive are just like 
just deal with it. Yep. You know, Buster Keaton actually had that, you know, that scene where the the front of the house falls and he just happens to be in the right place with the window mm-hmm. so he doesn't get hurt. He had to do that four times because he got smashed. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that, that would not be cool. Um, that happened possession. in Jackass. That happened in Jackass 2 where Knoxville uh, flubbed it a couple times. Oh, my God. <laughs> Speaking of constant pain, like you could tell that Johnny Knoxville must be in constant pain. Oh, yeah. Okay, so another memorable scene. Possession. The hallway scene with the milk and what seems to be a a miscarriage. Speaking of actresses that I think are amazing. How do you get that performance out of Isabel Adjani? Like, it, it seems psychologically damaging. Uh, I've seen other Zulowski. That's just kind of what you did. That's that's expectation. You know, like he will push you, uh, to like, uh, to beyond your limit. I've seen any other of his movies. La La Morbrook. I bought a copy of it. Did I watch it? No, I don't think I watched Mad Love. Huh. That one is like it's it's it has the same intensity, but it's more energetic. And the first time I watched it, I had to I had to take a break an hour in because like this is just too much happening. Like it's it's too too much emotion, too much energy. I can't handle this right now. Yeah, understandable. Like some of those movies, I feel like some of the Pasolini movies were making me sweat. Was Pixar making sweat with all the, all the philosophy talk about Hitler and fascism? You know, it's funny. I don't really remember Pigsty. I remember the end when, like, mm-hmm. the people who have found guns and uniforms or have like a shootout or, or whatever, like growing into that part. I don't remember. Yeah. Is my brain saving me from something? Maybe. I mean, I remember Arabian Nights much better, but, you know, can't see my eyebrows waggling, but they are. Okay. Um, Pigsty, the, one of the stars in it was the kid from uh, 400 Blows. I, I knew you were going to say that. Jean-Pierre? Is that his name? There's so many Jeans, or maybe that's Pierre. It's something. And he's, I think he's in Bride or Black. Yeah, you said that was like a collection of, of famous directors slash actors from all those movies. Yeah, that was like... Is that a like, true foe? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Bride or Black is just like this calling in like all, all his actor buddies and be like, hey, I, I need I need you for like, need you for a day, but, uh, it seems like. Yeah, Jean Pierre, uh, something. French last names are just like I. I don't know where to start with them. You're learning French and you can't handle it. It's Jean Pierre Leud. Star Four Hundred Blows, The Dreamers, 
Pierre LeFou. Wait, he was in The Dreamers? Weird. Oh. Yeah. Wait, what else was there? For me, moments... Um, the, the... The end of Zala, which I won't say. Uh, if you're listening and you haven't seen Zala, X-A-L-A, uh, get a copy of it. Alright, I'll get one. Uh, what else? The end of the soft skin. I don't want to say the end of soft skin. Uh, it is for me. It's memorable for me just because I was like, hell yeah. We kind of, we got into it earlier, but like the stunts in that man from Rio. Um, I'd say certain parts of Lingui. A lot of part a lot of parts of Lingui are in, are like are like live in my live like I constantly like have on my mind because like they have they have like infected me but uh i won't get in i won't say too much because if you haven't seen lingui uh what it's better to go into go into it the first time not knowing that much have you seen a doctor about it yes okay the second breath which I don't know. It was it was a, just like a solid noir gangster movie, and um, I feel like there were just some scenes that were so smartly laid out where it seemed like the other people had the upper hand, and then the main old guy that were falling around this whole time actually knew beforehand what was going to happen. Yeah, well, I'd say, um, and. Army of Darkness. No. Army yes, of Shadows. Army of Darkness. He makes Army of Sha- ammo a... off screen for the shotgun. <laughs> now there's a part in it where like you get a transition from a sub going a sub submerging underneath the water and then in you get this like amazing fade cut thing into them entering like a city and it's like there's this beautiful cinematic moment that like I've that I, I have never seen a moment like that a moment like that that was like that like satisfying to watch it wasn't even yeah it was just like so beautiful and cinematic it's like I didn't think Melville would be capable of like something this like this gorgeous gorgeous and meaningful army of army of shadows is definitely one of the best movies we watched. It, it just feels like everything was planned out and like the quietness of the characters all handling this like incredibly dangerous situation that they're in. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I need a copy. <laughs> what else was there? Actors moments. Okay, um... What were your least favorite movies? Uh, uh, yeah. No, no, okay, like before... Th- yeah. Yeah, what were you saying? No, uh, I had nothing. And not the worst movies, it's just the movies I, I dislike the most. Yes, that's, that's why I say least favorite. Alright, before we go into least favorite, I gotta say my number one favorite movie was Manhattan Baby, where a girl gets possessed by a ghost cause, mm-hmm. or something, I can't remember. <laughs> It's faulty nonsense. It doesn't matter. 
it's wonderful Fulci nonsense. It's got. Yeah, I didn't say it's bad. I'm saying like it's Fulci nonsense. Like it doesn't matter. Spencer's favorite character, the little blonde boy. No. <laughs> nope. I like Bob. <laughs> I just slammed into the desk. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I okay. So the ones that I I like the least. He um. I really didn't like either of the Louis Mal ones. Mm-hmm. Like Black Moon. I I don't usually say things like this, but it felt fucking pretentious as hell. Like, I don't know if there's meaning in any of the stuff that he was presenting on screen, and it wasn't like an acid-trip experience for me, which... You know, some movies you're just like, wow, that didn't make any goddamn sense, but I am into it. And for some reason, Black Moon just felt stupid and dirty. I don't know why. I mean, and I really, I really apologize. If you really like Black Moon, I'm not saying anything about anybody's taste, just my own. It's, Black Moon is really polarizing. At least I'm glad from what I've seen. Uh, I like it fine. It's like, I think I saw an episode that time watching it, I was like, wait, what? what is this movie even about? Because I never really thought about it. And then the, your reaction made me think about it. I was like, I don't really know what this movie is. <laughs> it's Alice in Wonderland in some war-torn area with the lady that may or may not know that she's talking to people. And a dude. Yeah. Is Claire's knee at the bottom too? Yes. For me personally, just because of I don't know, I found the entire thing detestable. Almost before even all the like like it's it starts off detestable because it's it's so hard to explain. First of all, this guy is a total pedo. He's he's a pedophile. You know, he he finds out that the owner of the house, like young daughter, has a crush on him. He takes her out into the forest, <laughs> basically like as a test. And immediately, when her older sister, who is Claire, shows up, it's like, oh, sorry, little girl, I'm focusing on this other child. Uh, That's what happens in the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, that's what happens. Philosophy also. Lots of philosophy. Yeah, and it's like, well, I can prove love or something I don't know. And then he looks up her dress and it's like, what what's what's the point of this? I don't really know what, what, what's the, I, I know what the point is, but like, but still, what's the point of this? Yeah, pretty much. I don't really have any disappointments. Like, I feel like Breathless is a bad movie, the the Richard Gere version, mm-hmm. but I freaking love it, <laughs> and I. Like, I can't tell somebody, like, oh, you really need to watch Breathless with Richard Gere, you know, the one that they made, and because I I know somebody's going to be like, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) But, of course, I get that because I I love, um, uh, 
I can't think of it now. Mickey Hargitay. Oh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The um, uh, pit uh, of something. Yes, pit of bloody horror. Pit of, pit of bloody terror? Pit of bloody... Anyways. You should listen to the podcast Bad Books for Bad People. Because uh, on one episode, they talk about the crap... I think it's... um. Crabs four or five, you know those book series, but the giant crabs. No. And oh, you've you've probably seen the cover. If 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 you're online friends, if you're friends on Facebook or whatever with Megan Sunday, you've probably seen the a cover from the Crabs series. It's very plausible, very plausible. Um, but uh, an episode on the Crabs novel they talk about. They kind of get into talking about Blight Pit of Horror. Yeah, interesting. Bad books. I'm looking at it. For bad people. Alright. Other than that, I don't really have any... Like, this movie sucked, sucked. Like, I don't like Breathless, but I I understand why it's important. And I'm talking about the 1960 mm-hmm. Breathless. Yeah, I guess least favorite uh, is like most Godard that we mm-hmm. covered, except for My Life to Live, because it's just like you know, it, it's it's a uh, it's like a basic salad with nothing special on. It's like it's important and healthy, but I don't know, but you know, it's not the most fun thing. Or to mo- or have the best best flavor, you know. It's this kind of it, it's fundamental, but just because it's fundamental doesn't mean it's good. Yep, definitely. It's like uh, uh, I think I've I've hit a wall, and my brain is not like I don't work. Hold on a second. Okay. Okay. What what is the name of the movie that they watch in black? Klansman, the racist, the super racist one that uh, is historically significant. Oh, Birth of a Nation? Birth of a Nation, thank you very much. That's another movie that is historically significant, but has no value, really. It's simply a nasty piece of work. Yeah. Or a triumph of the will. Important filmmaking. Historically important. Shit, shit, shit movie. Yeah. Not that I have strong opinions. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I guess Antonioni is like least favorite. Because uh, it's like, uh, the, you know, listen, listen to episodes if you want. It's just aggressively not for me you want to hear spencer sighing really <laughs> it's the most it's the most i have it's a, it's probably the least i talk because i just let you and whoever else talk because there's i have nothing to say about antonio besides it's boring sometimes i like a boring movie i guess yeah it's yeah i i uh who was it orson welles didn't like Antonioni, and he had this 
uh, witty quote about like um, it's uh, Antonioni just makes movies that are uh, a set for a model to walk on and if you enjoy that then you'll enjoy his movies it's one way of looking at it sure yeah You know, I have ADHD. That's a big theme that basically goes throughout mm. the seasons here and the amount of attention I can spare for a movie. Like one one of the other movies that's at the bottom of my list is The Leopard. Mm. The Leopard has some really good performances. It's really nice to look at, but I watched it in four chunks, not just because it's super long, but I just could not pay attention to like the war scenes or just sitting around a room talking I don't know yeah that half the, the first half of the leopard is kind of boring then the second half the party is like I think is really engaging well compared to the first half I should say but uh at least favorite uh yeah, I think that's really it. What's that? Okay. Um, what else was there? Uh, what's that noise? I can't hear it. Okay, I mean, there's uh, least favorite actors, top movies. I think we've covered basically everything. Yeah, okay. Uh, to get into favorites um, I have a very uh, I have a, like a top five like just the best of the best sure sounds good to me yeah okay so uh, no real order but um, uh, this is favorite not uh, like like best not best as in, yeah right. like personal not like historically so like Camp the Camp Theroy, um, Army of Shadows, mm. um, Happiness, yep. and and a lizard in woman's skin. <laughs> I never got to watch that. It wasn't streaming at the oh. time. How did I watch it? It was uh, you found a I found it. Oh, in I a found place. I found a copy. There was a place. Yeah. Yes. Uh, happiness camp, um, army, then Celine. Oh yes, yeah, Celine, Julie. There's so many episodes. Uh, Celine, Julie. Then it's really tough, but like I think I gotta go Judex. Yeah, I mean that made Judex made such a huge impression. I feel like I just watched it, even though it's been months. Mm. All right. Yeah, I, uh, uh, if uh, some of my favorites. Oh, I forgot one favorite performer. Oh, please. Um, Jean, uh, <laughs> Jules and Jim. What's her name? Is it Jean? Jean? I can never uh, remember. Jules and Jim. It's not on my list yet because we haven't released the episode. Yeah. Um, Moren Moreau. Moreau, I guess it's Jean Moreau. Yeah, Jean. Yeah, Jean. Moreau. Jean. Jean. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm not sure because I was I'm never sure how you pronounce that name. Not that movie. Thank you, thank you for re- reminding me of it. Jian uh, <laughs> Moru. No, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but a uh, former wife of William Friedkin. They divorced like a year later. <laughs> well, I'm sure she divorced him a year later because he, he was crazy at the time. I was gonna say. I know who I know who the problem was in that relationship, and it's not the French woman. Nope. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's like, uh, she, like she's an icon of French, of French cinema, uh, for a reason because she's great and just, you know, like, uh, like I have nothing new to say. Just like her, she's always great in movies, and uh, yeah, it's like her and Jewel and Jim. She's basically like a manic pixie dream girl. Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but it's like not as I don't know, like it's tolerable compared to when you see it now. It's like it, you just kind of groan when you see it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Manic Pixie. See, the thing about the Manic Pixie Dream Girls is I feel like they're self destructive. And you saw that's definitely exactly what happens in this movie, except for she's also extending it to <laughs> to the extreme of uh, Halloween ends. Yeah. Well, that's been <laughs> spoiled, spoiled for me, so I don't really care. Okay. It's not. Just, it's a movie. Yeah, we discussed it on another show, but the kills in Halloween 2018 are just like they exist and that's kind of the most I can say about those movies yep I like Halloween Kills probably more than the first one not, uh, not the original I mean the first in the series It's. I mean it's better than 2018 I'll, yep. I'll admit to that okay yeah let me mention some favorites uh, what do you think about the movie uh, Solil O ever heard of uh, that yes that was a tough one because I wasn't sure. Do I want Camp Theory on that or Soleo? Yep. But yeah, Soleo is a is a must see. It's like I don't think people realize how important it is, or it's not held to the level of importance it should be. Like that's that's a movie that is a must see, like you said, and. Uh, you should, I feel like going into a blind is a good idea. The The general idea of it is it's an, an African man, right? Who yes. is in France or in Paris, like for the first time. And, it, you know, it goes surreal. It goes, it's, it's very funny at times. Um, and of course, it's also very upsetting at times. It just shows, um, like what Simbin does, it just shows like racism and its purest form. And you just see like, well, this is what racism is like. Yeah. Alright, so that one you said judo. You said our Army of Shadows. Um Mama Roma, I think this special <laughs> once again, mm-hmm. Pierre. Oh, this one knocked my socks off. Testament of Orpheus by Jean Cocteau. Hmm. I mean, the, it's the second movie in a trilogy, so I haven't either seen the other two movies, but this is 
this is a movie that if you watched it's, it and uh, you're not into these movies, you would be just scream pretentious, pretentious. Why the fuck am I watching this? <laughs> I mean, well, uh, Testament Orpheus is the final film of um, uh, for Cocteau. Oh, it's the last that movie was, you made. That that's his big finale. Of, like, this is my career as an artist. Uh, it is and, the third movie. You're right. Yeah, and he is lucky enough to actually do that with his career, which not many people got to are able to do that. Blood of a poet, followed by Orpheus, followed by the Testament of Orpheus. Yeah, and the starred his lover. That I think that's the one he adopted, so they could pass on stuff. Nothing weird about that, Woody well, Allen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, being a gay man in 1950s, 60s Europe was a kind of different time. Yeah. Woody yeah, Allen I, is a different situation. I can't even describe. Can, can you describe, like, what this movie is? It's. It's basically. It, kind of like how um, uh, Dreams is a, a autobiography of Kurosawa. This is. Or Tessamorpheus is just a artsy, like like basically pretentious like autobiography of Sean Cocteau's career as an artist yeah guest appearance by Pablo Picasso Yul Brenner <laughs> yeah yeah some crazy yeah. stuff some mind-blowing special effects like the special philosophy effects. of life and art and it's a movie only like a, like a, an old man can make. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, I don't. I can't recommend it enough. If you're into film, you can reach out to me on uh, JDT Games on Twitter if that still exists at the time when this is released. Uh, because uh, I don't know. Let, let's move on. <laughs> okay. We've already mentioned how great that man from Rio is. It's an amazing fun time. Another movie we watched was Brotherhood of the Wolf, and I gotta tell you, I can't remember a goddamn thing. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of kicking. There's a lot yep. of political intrigue with the Catholic Church. Um, yep. Best Native American greatest... actor, Mark DiCosco. <laughs> you, get, you get the greatest fade... Uh, cut in history of Monica Bellucci's boobs to mountains. Makes sense. It's a movie, and it's not French New Wave, but it is French. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, uh, other things that I found really affecting, Vagabond, another Agnes Varda movie. It's just down, sad, following the life of that woman right uh, it's just sad it's a sad movie yeah. knife, knife plus heart mm-hmm. I'm never gonna forget that movie it's great yeah and other, other than the first movie you covered La Point Court another Agnes Varda movie I, I can't really think of anything I mean all these movies have something that obviously are appealing even even the ones I didn't like 
La Point Court was one of the first movies that, I mean, it, it's, you know, French New Wave, right? It, it, only in quotes. It's basically the movie that started the whole movement. Yeah. And it's so odd, a mixture of neorealism and the philosophical, uh, you know, movies that French New Wave is going to get famous for, splitting those two as if there's two realities going on, but the characters that are philosophical lovers who don't know what their future is going to be existing in real life. You know, you see Italy as this section of just how dirty it is and how people have to live relationships between the police and the people, even like celebrations. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is a movie that is going to be in my heart forever, I think. Hmm. Along with Repo Man. Alright, got any more favorites? Yeah, Home Alone? Oh, wait, no. Uh, no, okay. I'm good. I think I talked right. too much. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, is there anything else? Oh, biggest surprise... For me was probably Pasolini. I didn't expect to uh, become like as obsessed with Pasolini as I became, and uh, might be showing up in the next season because we're covering queer cinema. And I realized, oh yeah, Pasolini was was a, a gay man, so Wait that means <laughs> we might be able to cover at least one or two more. Yeah, I I can't really do most surprising because every movie that hit me hard I, I mean we've already kind of talked about the only one I think that we didn't talk about that I it, it's not a surprise it's just just fucking solid it is uh, that Highlander movie white material yeah <laughs> well I, I've seen it already yeah Claire Denis I, I haven't seen much of her movies but the ones that I have seen, damn. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. It's great seeing the Highlander speak in French, and it's like, okay, this, it's I can take him seriously. <laughs> when he's in Hollywood, he, he kind of can't. He sounds goofy. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing in this movie. This is not the season where we watched... Uh... <laughs> What's that movie you were talking about with the old people dying? Old people dying. Never mind. Is this a Spike Lee movie? No, it's a French movie with two very famous older French actors and. Oh, uh, Amour? Amour, there you go. It's just like all the crossovers we have between seasons are just like unexpected to me. And it's a good surprise. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I, I guess like Breathless 20, no, Breathless two, uh, 1983 was a, was a big surprise because oh. no one ever talks about it except for oh, like what? Tarantino. Except, except Tarantino. Yeah. Oh, and what they do, they talk about how bad it is. Yeah, and, and not like, not Tarantino, but everyone else. Yeah, and this, uh, I love it. It's 
yeah, I, I love that movie. It's so, it's it's. I prefer this version, and I want to see more Breathless remakes. Like I want to see that same story told by different people because it's. If you see the remake, you can like it's a, it's a flexible enough story where you can just kind of play with it in huge ways. I'm good. Uh, okay. Let's see. So, uh, this will come. Uh, I'm not sure. When I have more free time slash energy, I'll get back to releasing episodes. But but there's uh, as of this recording. But uh, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure when this will releasing this. Probably December. Uh, next season is Pedro Amodovar. And things we're going to be covering on that season, besides a motive art, classic Hollywood, Rainer Werner Fassbender, um, possibly a Pasolini or two, uh, John Waters, um, uh, Fernando Ray movies. There are a couple that I want to talk about. So if it's queer and or Spanish slash Latino connected, because um, uh, a lot of well, a couple of the Almodovar women are Argentinian from are from Argentina or like uh, yeah. Colombia and stuff like that. So, uh, donde so, están mis mexicanos? Uh, I guess I better start working on my Spanish. Yeah, probably. I'm trying to think. Is there any Mexican actors he's worked with? Did he work with Gail Garcia uh, Bernal? Yes, he did. Okay, yeah, and uh, well, there will be, as of now, no Robert Rodriguez episode because uh, his movies. I don't think he's a good director. I made wait. Who are we talking about? Robert Robert Rodriguez. Oh yeah, he's he's also the opposite of gay. Yeah, it was just like rewatching stuff as an adult. It's like, oh, this is really bad. (laughs) This isn't good. (laughs) That's yeah. I, I kind of wish I'd seen any of his stuff when I was younger, but I didn't watch it, any of his stuff until I was adult, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> why, why do people like this? Yeah. and I, Just not for uh, me. Yeah. Oh, Antonio Banderas, episode or two. Never uh, heard him. Luckily, uh, a lot of his movies I just don't want to watch for the most part. <laughs> Uh, Let's watch Assassins. uh, Yeah. Hollywood just doesn't know what to do with them. It's kind of sad. We'll get into it more next season. And we're going to have a bunch of same people. Oh, musicals. A a bunch of musical episodes. At least five. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be singing in every single one of them. uh, One you like. One? Gentlemen gentlemen prefer blondes. They do. And uh, other musicals, I don't know if you're going to like them. Slash haven't really worked, uh, haven't gone through them yet. What ones are Excellent. Right, yeah, so um, uh, if you've listened to any of season, thank you. And, uh, I don't know, listen, listen to them again. Go back to our older seasons. Recommend it to film people or if, or anyone or whatever, you know. 
listen to Please Don't Send Me to Outer Space. Uh, there's plenty of sci-fi jokes going on there, even though my upcoming, <laughs> the uh, re-emergence of the podcast was paused by my psychological issues, which we'll get into in my new podcast. What the fuck's wrong with Joel? That's not happening. Sorry. Uh, also, arbitrary, indiscriminate movie podcast. There are a couple of episodes on there, and that's... You know, that's not a podcast that comes out regularly. Anyone can tell you that if they if we have subscribers, <laughs> I really don't know. But it, it's me and Spencer and our sole uh, triplet mate, Melanie Daniels, discussing just kind of random movies. It's a whole plot. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else? Um, I said Sarah did the artwork. Next season, Andrew from uh, Grampire will be doing artwork. Still working on that with him because I'm busy slash just I want to wait till I have the mental energy and lack of stress uh, when the semester is over to actually get more into that. And um, haven't decided on music yet, but possibly might get Jamie, my friend Jamie, to do the theme music again i could just do, i could just sing a song yeah i'm coming up with one okay that's that's fine no I, i'll jamie did the um uh spike lee podcast um theme music yeah that's so, a good one yeah so I, I got to find like the right tracks to there's so much good um out of our music though yeah, anyway, uh, oh, I just realized the guy who did, um, um, Cemetery of, Cemetery of Splendor and Uncle Boon, uh, Boon Me is mm-hmm. queer, so we could talk his movies. Nice, yeah, I'm um, into it. I'm excited for next season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna double check this, actually, while I'm at this. Listen, uh, we're all queer, so we're gonna do, uh, uh, I don't know who's a, who's a guy who only did masculine movies. Uh, Stallone. No, he's pretty gay. Um, I mean, just put a link to Assassins. That's that's a, that's a gay movie. Or the Specialist. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah, I am thinking of the right person. I I have heard someone said there's an interview where he he like he identifies as queer. Like his art is queer. Anyway, so excuse to to rewatch Uncle Boon Me and Cemetery Splendor. Yeah, yeah, that's it. See you guys next season, whenever that's gonna be. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you if you're a constant listener, I love you. If you're a casual listener, I love you. If you've never listened to podcasts before, I still love you. Unless you're um, Mike Pence. The show can be found on Twitter at Piano Player Pod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>